Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, for the second podcast we are doing on Our Story Isn't Over in our podcast series for Children's Mental Health Awareness Week um, for Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, my name is Kevin Piscaric. I'm the program director at Youth Move PA, and I'm joined by my coworkers, uh, Tristan. Hi, everybody. My name is Tristan Schnoke. I'm the Community Outreach Coordinator for Youth Move PA. And Chris? Hi, my name is Christopher Lunsford. I'm the Call for Change and uh, Youth Care Coordinator at the PMHCA. And our guest, Andy. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. So we put our first podcast recording out yesterday today i don't know these days are going to get a little confusing because we're putting out a podcast today and so we're recording them the day before and putting them out the next day so um pardon us if we get the the days a little confused um so um this is the second one we're doing and so we're just going to ask uh kind of ask andy um what do you do for your job and um where do you work? So um, again, welcome. And my name is Andy Buchanan. I am in Greene County. I'm a school counselor for kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. Um, I'm in Waynesburg, our big location, um, elementary school counselor. And it I wear all sorts of caps uh, because we're rural. So we get a whole bunch of different um challenges that come with that role, but um, probably one of the greatest jobs in education. So Andy, can I ask you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that is so awesome. I had wonderful counselors whenever I was a kid, so that's exciting. Yeah, go ahead, Tristan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I I got a phone call and it messed up my Zoom thing. So I was going to ask you, Andy, could you tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are, whether that's personal, work, working, combined, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with? Yeah, so interesting journey, right, where we all end up and what we hope to be when we grow up. Um, I did not want to go into education because I didn't fit in the traditional box. Um, uh, I do come from a line of teachers, and I just did not see myself there. I wanted to go for a creativity uh, education major or something along that line. Um, Realized I was not really talented in one thing, but I was okay at a bunch. So elementary, jack of all trades, master of nothing. So (laughs) I went down that path and, and ended up I absolutely adored and loved being in the classroom and it was uh, amazing. But what I saw walking through my door every day was that I needed to make bigger connections with these kids than what I could provide giving them math, giving them science. And although I could light up the world for them with all that excitement and curiosity that you have and where you can go with education, if we're not touching them on the very primal level of attachment, which um, is where I am at now. Um, Again, backtracking a little, my mom was actually the school counselor at the high school and I didn't wanna do what she did. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I get that. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so um, I really um, pretty early on, I was actually had insomnia when I was in high school and was watching a point of view special on PBS and they did a whole series on play therapy. And that changed my world. So that kind of led me into the direction of I wanted to do play and realize the importance of play in school. And um, yeah, so really long answer. <laughs> but I, um, I have my master's in um, education and elementary school counseling and high school school counseling. But um, I landed in the elementary spot, which was fabulous. That's all. Awesome. Insomnia yeah. changed your life, Andy. It did. It did. <laughs> from uh, from terrible TV to really important uh, documentaries. <laughs> but the really crazy part is, too, I got to meet the guy who was featured on the Point of View um, special. He was out of Canada. Oh, wow. And I got to meet him. And, and yeah, I changed my life. <laughs> so you're out. That's you're amazing. Out. I didn't even realize you're out. You're out my way. I'm I the, am. Yeah, I'm, I'm south in, of you. Yeah, I'm in Washington. I didn't realize you were out this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corner pocket. <laughs> yep. That's interesting. Um, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew they had counselors and stuff for that early of an age. Um, and uh, I'm interested um, because you do. I, I know because we're we're in that training together and you have your office is very playful. Um, and That's I know, a nice way of putting it. Yeah, It looks so fun. I mean, it's it packed does, with toys. Yeah. So what you specifically do is like, kind of like play therapy kind of almost. Yeah. Yeah. So they walk through the door and um, literally kids get it. Grownups don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so it's really funny when a grown up walks in and oh, my God, how are you doing this? We need to call hoarders right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but a kid walks in and goes, you know, you understand. And 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 it's insane how many times. And I use that term lightly. <laughs> How many times the child who has never, ever, ever been in my office walks in and they can find exactly what they're looking for, whether it be handcuffs or a scary toy or they need something to feed the baby. They'll find those toys every time, never, ever walking in my office and they know where it is. And I don't even know sometimes where it is. But they, they do know that. So I have a whole wall of the setup toys that they recommend from the play therapy, um, different workshops and things that I, and trainings that I've been to. But then underneath, I started doing, and I shared with you all, uh, sand tray. And that's been yes. a world of absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing healing process. So it's really fun to dive into something new and try it out. And uh, yeah, just what you can even do with that. Like, so my outside of my door is covered with animals with different feelings that I think they can relate to. They love that. They'll just talk about what, what got that grumpy toad into that mood or that tired <laughs> lion. Um, so even just before they walk in, they're hit with that. I had yoga cards on the front of it before. And I had one little guy who wouldn't walk in without spelling his yoga name out every day. So <laughs> there's just so many ways that you can connect with them. Uh, with they, I think it was Plato that said that you can tell more about a person with an hour of play than a discussion. So and we all start with play rather than talking. So nice. yeah, it's a great, great, great connection. 
So I'm just I'm I'm, I'm just assuming because I think we all know at some point that, that you can recognize or identify that children that come to you. Um, sadly to say, you, you can probably identify that some children get the the physical, emotional, uh, compassion or empathy from, you know, whoever they're supposed to be getting it from their parents, um, whoever it may be. Um, is that something you can identify with them coming to your, to your space? Um, is it easy to identify? Yeah. So the great part of working in a school um, is that I get to see a lot of normal. And then whenever we see something that is and, and, and kids at my age, especially KM1, their behaviors are out loud, I like to call them. Um, so we can see when there's something that's not working for them. And um, Adler is one of my uh, Alfred Adler is one of my big guys um, that I follow for theory. And he talks about the, well, his later followers talk about the four C's and the kids need to be connected. They need to be capable. Am I able to do this? They want to have, um, they want to know that they count, that they matter. And then the fourth one is having that courage to try. So if you can see one of these pieces, not in play in the classroom, and again, in that normal situation, or in even especially at recess, then we need, then that's whenever my role comes in extra hard, and I um, find ways that I can connect with them, either small group, or have them come up to me, or I've been doing another uh, technique called drawing and talking, which is just another really important attachment component. So um, another funny bit, too, is that if a child walks into my office and just stands there, it's a high sign of anxiety. Um, they don't know what to play with. They don't know what they're allowed to touch whenever I'm always like, anything's open, come on in. But you can see that. And I've had more kids walk in and say, wow, there's so much stuff. I don't know what to do. And that's just, that's been after COVID. And I have to remind them anything goes. And then I'm like, oh, what did I do? Because <laughs> then you because then you can see the other things kicking in. They're touching it all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can. Um, again, the great part about school is that there's the normal set. And then whenever we see the behaviors that are a little bit louder, um, then we know that um, that's the voice of the child. They're, they're communicating through their behaviors. And again, that's whenever our team can come in and well, I work with them and we find ways that they connect. Once they're connected, uh, we see a lot of things settle. And if we have to go a step further, then, um, then we, we have referrals that we can do to call out for um, help for the parents and for the families and knowing that this is absolutely okay. We just got to find the right coping skills. And if we're young enough, we can get that really, uh, we can, we really have, well, I like, I'm going back to the carpenter bit with your toolbox. If you have those in your toolbox, then you can use them for the rest of your life. So let's get that toolbox set up early. So everything's not a hammer. <laughs> mm. I love that. Get that toolbox set up early so everything's not a hammer. I'm going to like tell everybody I know that. Um, <laughs> Although hammers are fun. <laughs> they are sometimes a little destructive, but always yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this kind of made me think of something um, like you mentioned like building tools and putting tools in their toolbox early. Um, do you feel that it is 
somewhat easy, difficult, um, or kind of just the same as any other age group? Like you work with, uh, you said first through third or kindergarten through third. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that uh, like those kids are pretty young? I mean, um, it's amazing to be talking about mental health related anything with kids so young. So I, it's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on. Um, what is that experience like for them trying to help them build their toolbox? Yeah, so it's really important for them to help identify their feelings early on. Um, and the littles get it. They get it so well and we don't give them enough credit. Um, they might not have the verbiage yet and that's totally fine. But whenever we can help fill in those words for them, it becomes a mantra for them. So like I, one of the workshops that I went to, um, the guy said, work off of the four feelings, happy, mad, sad, scared. And then the kids start telling you how it can go deeper. Angry can or mad can be angry. It can be frustrated. It can be and they go bigger and bigger and happy um, can be excited or happy can be um, surprised scared can be surprised. Once they start getting the verbiage in, then they go so much deeper with it. So identifying those feelings are really important. Um, and then I do uh, character ed and I do like a lot of um, oh, like bibliotherapy. So you bring in a book. So we all have a shared experience or a game and we all have that shared experience. And then we process that and, and bring it home to experiences that we've had. So bringing that in and kids are able to talk about feelings or frustration. They, they love the feelings. I just have a dice that have the feelings on it. And they love telling those stories about this time. I was so mad at my brother. Oh yeah, go on. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> been there and it becomes the big story. Um, or they love telling the scary stories too, but like being able to, again, normalize those feelings, have that available for them, have that as their vocabulary um, and, 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 bringing in coping skills and tools for them to be able to recognize and apply. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 um, seed planting. I might not see Mm -hmm. all of it come to fruition, but I know there's pieces in there. Um, I've had parents come back and say, you know, there's been a death in the family reality. (laughs) Um, there's been a death in the family and they've said, I know I can talk to Miss B if I'm having a bad day oh, that's exactly what I'm here for. Or um, I won something and I'm so excited. I'm going to show Miss B. So happy, mad, sad, or scared, whatever it is, they can come see me. And that's, again, recognizing that it's out their family, their circle of care and love is getting bigger and bigger. And there's more people in their world that care about them. And that's a good place to be. So Andy, it sounds like you are absolutely changing little ones' lives every day. Um, I'm so glad that we have that I got to meet you. I'm not in class with you like Kevin and Chris are, so I'm just really grateful to have been able to be a part of this conversation with you. Um, and you made me think, like, since you're doing such amazing work, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on like as these kids grow and you're seed planting with them and doing so all this amazing work. How do you feel like the rest of the system, the child serving system that these kids get to experience after they're out of your hands, how do you feel like that's going to change the way that they, uh, the way that their seeds and their flowers actually end up growing? Yeah, that's hard, right? Um, I can't control it all, but the whole goal is to supply them with enough skills and um, confidence, (laughs) capability, 
courage, all of those four C's that they will be able to take that flight. I'm really fortunate. I work in a district that our counseling program is phenomenal. I love my team. I can't speak highly enough about them. We lost one member, but I know Kelsey's out there and she's still doing good things. Um, We have a really strong network. Uh, That being said, the world's really tough. And um, they, what I, so again, I'm a small district. So the nice part is that when my students grow up and they're in the high school, there's um, a PenServe program um, and they come back to our elementary school and they can be elementary tutors. And I can say, I remember you when, or I remember um, I, I ran, I ran up to Walmart the other day and I ran into a few of my kids and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I love you guys so much. I w- I'm like, if you ever need a pep talk for anything, you come back to me. <laughs> so I've been in the system long enough that I can see these kids grow up and um, be with them and tell them how much I care about them. And sadly, I've been in this system. I don't know, sadly, that's not the right word, but I had a granddaughter come into my program. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So, but it's like wonderful seeing that they remembered me. They know me. They can come back to me. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, Kevin could talk about this too. Southwestern PA, man, we don't leave. <laughs> so <laughs> We're like all stuck here. So <laughs> they can come back and see me anytime, but, um, it's, it, it's hard, but, um, I just have to trust the system that, well, my system that I'm trying to put forth these seats for them and, you know, have faith that, well, and I believe in them. I do. I've, I've, I've seen, I have seen uh, what they can do through tough times, their resiliency um, and, and kids are amazing. So being able to give them those talents and, you know, yeah, getting that chance to see them working at Walmart again or working at Dairy Queen. I ran into somebody at Dairy Queen. Miss Speed, you remember me. Um, so just having that chance to share, you know, those memories with them in that moment is is something, again, that makes their world um, special. And yeah, I just, it's, it is, yeah, it is a hard world, but um I think if everybody got to go back to their elementary school, they'd still see that their people love them. (laughs) Everybody needs to go uh, have some cookies and milk and a nap, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, on the heels of that, it sounds like your, your whole school district is making absolutely amazing strides in helping their kids actually feel that confident, um, courage and feel like they count and that connection those were the four c's right yeah um so making sure that they feel that the four c's like all the way through into adulthood do you have any thoughts on you're cutting out a little bit tristan like how i don't know can you hear me now yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just okay. repeat the question. Okay. So I don't really know how to word it. I'm trying to think of how to word it. So like, do you have thoughts on like basically how kids grow um, and become resilient or not um, in other school districts where maybe they don't have as much support throughout their life? Yeah. So I mean, I think what's really important is that, I mean, and people have 
brought this up over and over again. One person in their life. If a child plays sports and they have that coach, if a person is good at writing and they have that writing teacher that believes in them, if you can connect with that one person. Another thing that's come up in research too is don't be that helicopter parent. Let the child fall. If you're there when they fall, we can get through this together. Whereas they're in college and they fall, um, do they know how to even do the laundry? Like you gotta let them have these experiences so that we can be there for them, be that system. So it's an, um, oh, another really fun uh, workshop that I attended was allowing for that hard play. I thought that was a brilliant one. Get outside, climb up something, fall. It's okay. We, well, hopefully you don't break anything, but if you do, we're there for you. Like it's, it's finding those opportunities to build that resilience early on. So again, it's not so tackling and so taxing um, at when we're a grown up. Um, and in other systems, it, it, it does work too. Uh, we're just we're just fortunate. We had some some really you know good hires and and a, a really good team. I will say too, we don't have a social emotional learning program yet. <laughs> My fingers are crossed. So like our system because of our people is a really great system, but um, we still have some improving to do. <laughs> so um, I think there's always room for improvement, but as far as like out, out, outside of the school system, outside of my school system, outside in the world, um, be that person, be that parent that believes in your child, be that parent that um, can step up for and, and root for your child and, um, yeah, believe in them. Like, even though it's scary, we're going to try this together. I think that's an important lesson. You know, what's interesting about that too, and I'm hearing this, is that like, it, you seem to be asking parents to trust that their kids are going to be okay when they fall too. And and we always want to ask our kids to trust us to be there, but to trust them to be okay on their own is also a really challenging thing. Yeah, and it's a really... Um, yeah, I love how you put that too. But how awesome that this grown-up believes in me and they trust that I can do this. Oh, wow. How powerful is that, that I, I can do that, um, that I've got the skills inside me, that I know how. That's, I mean, to have somebody say that to you and early on, how powerful would that be? I've, I've got this. Like, they need to hear that. And that that's one of the messages that really pops up a lot in my sand tray, which is really cool. They've got this. They've got the tools inside them that know what they need to do to heal. And that, that's more important than anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of the questions um, that we had for you, you answered without us even um, asking them. So, uh, <laughs> intuition. Very intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. that third eye. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll throw one at you if you want. This just came to my mind. It has not been written down or asked anywhere else, obviously. Um, but mostly for you, just because of like the place that you work. Um, if you could, so the theme of the podcast this week is an ideal but realistic child-serving system. Like if you could create that, kind of, um, could you give us a picture of what that would look like for mm -hmm. you? and like where you work and the children you see? 
Oh, I was just dreaming about this. Actually, I want more play, way more play. And I want more creative arts. Um, they need to be able to have that expression because that is so healing. And um, like the expressive arts is coming up again and again. And I'm not going to say her name right. I think it's Kathy Malakati. I think that's how you say it. But she does a lot of the expressive arts and she's actually taking it into the veterans program and she's working with the kids and the vets are seeing that it's so effective that they're like, can I do this too? So um, anything from drum beating to using both sides of the body to paint, uh, finger painting, that kind of thing. If we could have more of that coming in to our schools and allowing for play and, oh my gosh, it's testing week. So let's get rid of the test. Like, I don't even understand the questions and why, like, because of the pandemic, I, I'm sorry, I'm going a little off topic, but because of the pandemic, I was able to do training all over the world this year, which was phenomenal. Um, I had to wake up at very strange hours, but oh, that's another story. Um, but whenever it was time for us to take our tests to do the CEs, did we understand, did we get credit for it? There weren't any trick questions. There was nothing that I had to like really scratch my head about. Like, did I, did, is this the one or is A or B or whatever? Um, and I realized I'm a grown up and I'm taking it on a different level, but it's still counted for something. When our kids are taking the test, it's so hard. So what are we trying to prove here? And how is this a system that's setting up for our kids to be the best in the world? Um, so yeah, I don't know that I would continue testing that way, um, but I would definitely have more play. I would definitely do more expressive arts. Um, I would definitely bring more of the trades into our school because we, we, need, we need workers and we need people that can be proud of a job at the end of the day, instead of scratching their head saying, what am I supposed to do? And tell me, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Um, these kids know what they love and what they're really good at. Um, yeah. Oh, and then get them outside. Oh, please get them outside. <laughs> so. That in, in smaller numbers. Okay, I better stop. I could go on and on. <laughs> you go on as far as you need to. You got a lot of passion and I love it. It's just, it's really hard when you see the system that it, how it could be the best and it really could be ideal. And um, the things that we're setting them up for aren't really ideal. So yeah, but outside would be fabulous. <laughs> Yes, a notion that I know is getting a little bit more accepted now, but has been a very nerve wracking for a, a lot of folks uh, over the last couple of years, especially um, the getting outside is so important. Yeah. Right, so I want to I want to say like your comment about the trades uh, as well is something I really appreciated, too. I, I come from a long line of like carpenters, like mm. my grandparents, my uncles, everyone. Uh, they built stuff with their hands. They were craftsmen. Um, and uh, it was one of the first things that I tried to do um, before getting into mental mental health, uh, which is funny. You mentioned that, like, we do so many things before we get into this kind of work. It's kind of <laughs> not connected all the time, but it is in a weird way. It is. Um, so one of the first things I heard from my grandfather um, was that uh, people who are working in the trades don't get the respect that they deserve. Um, and carpenters are pretty low on the totem pole when it comes to trades it is in and of themselves yet they are responsible for the framework of so many things that keep our society going um and so when we see kids uh 
talking about like getting jobs to support their families or themselves or to build career paths. And, and they talk about getting into a trade as if it's like a failure or something that like, Oh, it sucks that I have to do this. Like it always makes me sad. Cause in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's so awesome that you're doing that. Like you're going to know how to do something. that's so important that you'll be able to use for your whole life. Um, and and I want you to be able to see that too. Just because everybody else doesn't see it doesn't mean it's not what it is. So I have just appreciated that comment and your comment of play. Um, so I, I believe for our listeners out there, uh, Andy uh, is it, a wonderful part of our Enhancing Trauma Awareness class that we all have attended together is kind of how we got to meet and set this, uh, this guest interview up. Um, and I might've mentioned this during a class, but uh, the importance of play is something that I started thinking about more recently. Um, I always like playing, but uh, the importance and significance of it is something that really started standing out to me uh, when I came across a concept uh, called Homo Ludens, um, which is awesome. I mean, it comes from this book from like the 1930s. Um, I believe the person who wrote it was Johann Huizinga. I'm probably butchering the last name, but... Um, you know, it, it talks about how uh, play is both primary and necessary um, for uh, like the generation of culture, mm-hmm. like it's, it's core to culture. Um, and so it kind of goes back to this, like, you know, we think about like, um, like homo sapien, like to, to be human is to think um, this is kind of replacing that with uh, to be human is to play. Yes. And, uh, and I love that concept so much. So you just, you kind of exude that in everything you're saying today. <laughs> I, d- I, I just think it's so important um, that you can find something that you can get lost in time with. And um, I think if more people did that, and, and I think our work in trade would be one of those examples too. You can be lost by building something. You can be lost by painting in something or, you know, welding or whatever you need to do. I have to say our CTC program in Greene County is phenomenal, phenomenal. We have one of the best counselors over there. I think they're getting another one. And our, our principal over there is just, they, they're amazing. And the programs that they run for the kids is just phenomenal. I, I, I can't say that enough. It's our CTC career to, um, oh my goodness. I just forgot career to it's, it's the old Votech. That's really awful. Oh, okay. I don't remember the word. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just, it, I knew this was going to happen today. I'd forget what I was going to say, but um, our, okay. our program's really, it'll come to me. Our program's really wonderful for that. So that, that um, it isn't getting the bad reputation that it, it, it had before. So I'm really pleased to see that huge turnaround for our, for our um, community and our world really too, which is great. Um, but to go back to the idea of the play um, it, it models how we want to do things. You see this in the animal world all the time, um, teaching others um, and little girls would, I mean, little girls and boys would play out what their jobs were um, in older times. And, you know, we're losing that. So, you know, what are we spending most of our time on computers? It's not really, thank you. <laughs> Career and technology center. Oh my gosh. Um, oh. I think I'm, I had in my head the career um, to work standards 
Um, and that's probably where I was. We, had we live in a world of acronyms. You know, you know it I mean? stinks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kevin. You're welcome. But, uh, um, but yeah, uh, I think whenever um, we're able to hone in on, and, and I think the other part too, like whenever we're able to hone in on, on our own play and there's play for adults too, of what we find enjoyable. And I think we forget that piece that just because we don't have paper dolls or, or even video games, what else is there for us? And it could be a reading group and it could be painting or sorry, it could be wine drinking after my dog keeps barking, (laughs) 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 whatever you need to do. But I think it's, it's recognizing what our play is too. And letting kids know that as well, too, um, by setting models and examples of like, this is what I do to relax and enjoy my time. And, you know, it passes the time for me. And by acknowledging that, then you're sharing something with the child, too, that we have this in common. So building that bridge. Yeah, I think that connection is so important. Uh, It is awesome. Play is something that whenever I was young, I always wanted to like show this or that that I was doing to my mom or to my friends or, you know, to everybody. I was so excited about what I was playing with and I'm a gamer. So I was always playing video games. Um, and I, I think I still feel that excitement now. Um, but I think the most powerful connecting moments I felt with others was when I got to play with them and share that together. Yeah. I think what, um, into the wild with Chris McCandless and it, all this is wonderful, but if you're not sharing it with someone is, is, is it really happening? So I think that play gives us that connection bridge that we need um, to keep us going as, as um, a species. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> I meet with a child, I, I call the parent um, if, or the parents can call me. It's an open line of communication. Um, I, I'll go to the meetings with the teachers. It's a typical teacher education role. Um, You know, there's a few people that I call a few more, you know, a little bit more often. And, you know, it's what, it's whatever anybody needs or feel comfortable, comfortable with. And I'm available for anyone. And, you know, I, there's no, I guess, um, I've been there for so long that my reputation kind of speaks for itself, but on the, on the, on the, on the off chance that somebody doesn't know me, um, they might have the whole, oh, well, you're the guidance counselor. Um, well, you don't really want me guiding anybody. <laughs> We're going to go down that whitewater raft river. It's going to be dangerous. So it'd be better. <laughs> I, I go by school counselor because I'll help you do your best in school. Um, and, and the, the, um, there is a certain, um, there is like a certain vibe sometimes that if you're going to the school counselor, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, but that's not in our school at all. The kids actually want to come to my office because the toys up there, they want to come and visit. They want to be able to share things. So um, even just calling parents and reassuring them that this is okay. Uh, even calling and reassuring them, hey, your child, I, I go into the classrooms and teach, like I said. And um, so going in and just saying, I had so much fun with your child today. It was just a blast. They were totally into the lesson and we were uh, having a lot of fun or their insights were really amazing. And they just really appreciated that. So I can just give a parent a call at any point and share with them uh, as well as resources too. Like we really 
need to make sure that, you know, it just because it says, you know, behavioral health doesn't mean that it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's an outreach program for you to be able to have a resource and a support for you in your home to say that, okay, we can get through this together and you're not by yourself in this journey. So I think that's huge for everyone to know as well. Like everybody has blips and I'd rather have somebody beside me going, what the heck? That was just really weird. <laughs> then, <laughs> oh, that's all alone on you. It's it's not. And and that's I think the other thing too, just because a child is going through something or 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 is presenting with a mental health crisis or issue, it's not a judgment on the parent. It's not your fault. It's not anything but this child trying to communicate. This is hard for me. And how are you going to help me get those tools to be able to deal with this better? We can do this. That's okay. <laughs> I um I really like what you said in a way because it's so true. Um about the aspect of the just because there's a behavioral health at the end or I mean or or a mental health at the end or something like that at the end, that there regardless of what we think or anybody thinks, there is a stigma behind it. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it be other parents knowing about that other parents are accessing those services for their kid or for themselves. Um, you know, there, there, there definitely is a stigma behind it. And, um, you know, that it's sadly, it should not be like that, you know, but, right, but they're brave enough to go and get the help or to ask for it. That's huge. Yeah. And, and, and it, I guess it goes to that Brenny Brown. Don't be ashamed. If yeah. we're going to be ashamed, then we're not going to get the help and you're not going to be able to get the resources that the window is so small that we can actually make it better. And so be bold enough, be, be, you know, be a powerhouse for your child, get out there and fight for them and say, I want these services. I want this done for my child. This is what we're going to do. And this is what I'm going to, you know, insist upon happening. Awesome. Do it. Like we need more people to be bold like that. And to, to take this rather than having the stigma, it's not a stigma. You're, you know what, it's a challenge. It's something that you have to put on, but we'll get through this. And yeah. I, I feel pretty strongly about that too. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of us working in, in the field make that reduce that, that challenge too. You know, mm -hmm. we have to make that easier for the, for those parents coming in saying, Hey, we need help. We have to make that as welcoming as possible. You know? Um, yeah. And yeah. it's hard. I mean, even in a school system, everybody's been to school, but everybody's experience with school hasn't always been positive. Right. So when they come into a meeting and, oh, your child's not doing that well. Oh, is this on me? Is this because I didn't do well in school? No, this isn't. This is just your child saying it's not working and let's find a way that we can together. I like that too, because it's always like such a, oh, I'm sorry, Tristan. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think, Annie, Andy, you need to be in charge of creating the new <laughs> children, um, at least the school system, if that's what you're comfortable with, you need to be in charge of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, don't tell my administration that. <laughs> no. When they do mental health curriculums, I expect to see Andy's name on the, on the development of that. <laughs> I'm okay behind yeah. the scene. <laughs> I, I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> Real happy where I'm at. 
Um, Thank you, though. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know. Do uh, you all have any other any other questions? Oh, you know, it's not always questions. Sometimes I'm just like, I could probably just sit here and, and talk with you about this stuff all day because it's, it's very fun. Um, I think, you know, there is a question that came up to me earlier, and maybe this would be a good one to sort of like drive us home. Um, so I was wondering if you could like put it in one type of category, like if you could quantify uh, language that children speak, like what is the language that you think that, uh, children need us to speak to them? And I think this goes back to what you had mentioned before. I believe in you. And those are the most powerful things that you can, can give a child. I believe that, I mean, and, and showing them the examples, like you couldn't walk and now you walk you can do this. I believe in you. You didn't know how to ask for this the first time. Now you know how to ask for it. Um, you're showing me every day you're learning to read. You're showing me that you're trying. You can do this. I believe in you. I think having someone believe in them and, and hear their dreams and trust that they have it inside them to go those steps further, that's, that's all anyone ever wants. Be seen, heard, and felt, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's powerful. Gosh, talking with you, I don't know if everybody else feels this way, but I bet it does, uh, or they do. My heart feels so full from this conversation, like truly. Thank you. <laughs> it's um... Actually, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm like ready to cry because I think of all of the students who don't have you or someone like you, and it makes me so sad. And I know that's so sad to talk about and like bring up, but it's so like, it's all I can think about right now is how many students don't have a Mrs. B to go to. And that just really bums me out. <laughs> but inside every elementary school, you have a teacher that believes in a child that loves them like no one else can, that they've seen their growth, that they walk through the door and they did not know at the beginning of the year what they knew and where they're at right now. I can promise you at the end of May, the teachers, although they'd be like, oh, time to go. <laughs> we got the countdown happening. They will have seen how far that child has come and they will believe in them. So it's really an elementary school. I'm so sorry, the dog. It's really an elementary school belief. I, I, I truly believe that. But I think every every developmental stage we always have that opportunity to be that person for for those kids so i think um we all have that power inside us to be that person it's it's not just me although that's really kind <laughs> um but uh i think it, it it's definitely in all of us and that light is just an opportunity for all of us to be able to take it a step further and shine it so we are that spark. And I think from our training, we've seen so many people in all their roles. It's been absolutely phenomenal uh, running into everybody and hearing everybody being that, that piece um, that will give, bring all that hope. I mean, we need more of the light makers. <laughs> Not to sound too hippie, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I think because, um, you know, when 
we decided to do this podcast series, we were trying to think of, you know, individuals who would have a positive impact on this topic um, and who would have good insight into this. And you were definitely a perfect person to have on this for sure. Um, so um, uh, I think we would all like to thank you for uh, being on this podcast for sure. Um, do you all have anything you would like to say uh, before we close it up? I just want to say uh, thank you, Andy, so much for joining us today. Um, and to all our listeners out there, um, I believe in you. Keep your head up and your heart strong. Anybody thank up? you. That, yeah, thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. Um, Tristan, do you have anything? Um, yeah, uh, thanks, Andy. And thanks, everybody who's listening tonight, today, whatever time it's going to be when we release this thing. And um, I want you to be alive today. I want you to be alive tomorrow. So thanks again. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. It will be released today, tomorrow. Um, I don't know if we're, this is podcast <laughs> two of six. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us on Our Story Isn't Over.